Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. places in the Bible that call for us to welcome the stranger. This should come as no surprise since the Hebrews at one time were enslaved in Egypt, strangers in an unwelcoming land, until they were led out by Moses. Think about the present day drama surrounding division, exclusion, keeping people separated, kicking people out, We live in a toxic world. We see more evidence of what divides us rather than what brings us together. We take sides easily. We are quick to shame or show disdain for those who don't share our views, who are like us. In today's world, where do these people fit in, in terms of how the gospel teaches us to welcome and to receive? There may be legitimate, moral, safety, or economic issues involved, but if an inhospitable, exclusive attitude goes along with these ideas, then they are averse to Jesus' teachings about welcome, inclusion, and hospitality. Think back to how horrified we were two and a half years ago as we watched news coverage of thousands of rioters descending upon our nation's capital waving American and Christian flags, invoking Christian language and imagery, beating up people in the name of Jesus. Or a year ago, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, 
Since then, more than a dozen states, including Missouri, have banned or attempted to ban abortion, robbing women of the right to choose. Just the other day, the Supreme Court delivered yet another significant blow, this time to affirmative action in higher education, by striking down race-conscious admissions policies, claiming that these practices are discriminatory toward whites. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry attributes these events and ideas to arrogant Christianity, militant Christianity, white Christian national nationalism. He cautions us not to be fooled by the word Christian when used in these contexts. It's an ideology, not really a religion. It looks like a religion and uses and invokes language and symbols that have religious trappings. An ide ideology that promotes fear and anger. Fear that is privileged and entitled Christian nationalists if they don't exclude unacceptable people or everyone in their view who is not a Christian. They will lose their identity as God's chosen ones. Fear and anger that they will lose their freedom to bear arms, lose their power and wealth. Fear that their children will be exposed to obscene and harmful books in our schools or lesson plans that include race and gender identity. Anger because they know that social change is coming. Bishop Curry urges us to speak out. He says, silence is complicity, and silence creates a context in which something like that can grow. One of the most powerful tools we as Christians have is the Bible itself. Lift up the text of the New Testament, especially the four Gospels, he says, and let Jesus talk. As one of our signs here at Holy Communion quotes Bishop Curry, if it is not about love, it is not about God. It's hard work to be welcoming to the arrogant Christian who is determined to strip certain people of equity, justice, and fairness based on the color of our skin, our gender, or who we love. Bishop Curry says we must discipline ourselves to practice humility before we can receive and welcome the arrogant Christian those with whom we disagree, or with whom we may be alienated, those whom we might easily dismiss because we assume quickly that they are against us or they have nothing to offer us. It's hard, but this is what we as disciples of Jesus are called to do, and precisely what Jesus was up to in his ministry, welcoming people from the margins into beloved community and rejecting the exclusionary practices of fear-promoting ideology. Anyone who has ever heard our Bishop Dion preach or has ever listened to one of his podcasts can attest that he is all about going where you're not supposed to go and hanging out with people that you shouldn't be hanging out with because this is where you will find the people who need help, those who need our hospitality. Think back to Matthew's Gospel a few Sundays ago, that healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Jesus didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. Again, this is not easy, 
empathizing with, loving and welcoming folks who do not look, talk, think, or behave the same way that we do, has never been easy, and it never will be. Regardless, we are bound by our baptismal covenant to do this. Jesus commands us to share the good news, which brings healing and life to the world. God calls each of us to walk faithfully with him, to spread the gospel, carry the light of Christ, and take that light into dark places of this world. Our reward for being faithful is a righteous person's reward. And notice that these rewards do not include wealth, fame, or popularity. As Americans, we will stand proudly on Tuesday as we celebrate the 4th of July. Americans have always held a variety of opinions on things. Different individuals may understand civic responsibility differently. But when we put all this together, as we try to reconcile this as we live out our Christian faith, we may have to agree to disagree on some aspects of American policy. Jesus did not say that we had to agree on everything, but he was pretty clear when he commanded us to love our neighbors and to be welcoming. In the initial stages of the pandemic, a certain person in a leadership position kept referring to the coronavirus as the China virus or the Kung flu. As a result, hate crimes against Asian Americans in our country soared but he continued to deny that the comment was racist or inflammatory. I remember being at the grocery store, waiting in line to check out. A woman and two young children were right in front of me. One child turned around and started smiling and waving at me. I smiled and waved back. Then the, the second child started smiling and waving, and then both erupted into joyful laughter. The woman turned around to see what was going on, and instead of engaging in what could have been a welcoming moment, exclaimed, she looks like she has the virus, and she rapidly scurried her children away to another line. What do you do? We pray. We continue to preach the good news. We don't give up. We don't crawl under a rock. We love them as we love ourselves. And yes, we continue to welcome them. Doesn't mean we have to put ourselves in the harm's way or that we have to like them. If they continue to act in their arrogant and ideological ways, we simply move on. Sure, we can call it out. In, in fact, we're encouraged to speak out, but it is not our job to stick around and fix them. Not only is it not our job, we can call it out until we're blue in the face and risk being abused in the process. But guess what? At the end of the day, we still haven't fixed them or changed them. Rely on God's grace and mercy to help us extend the welcoming, genuine hospitality. Ask and trust God to take over at that point. After all, God doesn't need our help. What God has planned will finally be done on earth as it is in heaven. We then move on to open our arms to receive the next person and continue our work. Being welcoming is what the kingdom of God looks like. 
And let's not forget the words of the author of Hebrews in chapter 13. Don't neglect to open up your homes to guests, because by doing this, some have been host to angels without knowing it. Amen. Amen.